Barack Obama says he'd use the presidential bully pulpit for gay causes. Tomorrow is primary day in Texas, and the Senate Democrats worry that the Clinton campaign will sue their party. We'll ask Kelly Shackelford about that and how to decide who to vote for in the down-ballot races. Plus, what's with those gas prices? This is Jerry Johnson Live from Crystal College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire. We will not falter. And we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. I've now decided they are the greatest newspaper in the entire world. Uh, Obviously, we're very pleased with that. All right, that's Mike Huckabee, and he's talking about the Dallas Morning News. They came out with an endorsement from Mike Huckabee, President of the United States. Of course, they disagree with him on abortion and other social issues, but they have endorsed him. Why? Can it make a difference? We're going to talk about that later on. But um, Barack Obama getting hit with a subtle anti-Muslim, implied Muslim, is he a Muslim, is he not, kind of campaign. Here's Obama's answer. Pray to Jesus every night and try to go to church as, as much as I can when they're not working me. Used to go quite often. Fascinating that the Democrats are usually afraid, terrified of religious language in primaries. But uh, because of uh, this Muslim question, Obama again and again has to keep claiming uh, he is a Christian, has been one for 20 years going to this church. Well, we're going to talk about that later on in the program. But some uh, big news that affects every one of you, particularly those of you commuting right now, and that is the price of gasoline at a press conference last week. President Bush seems surprised at the prospect of $4 gasoline. What's your advice to uh, to the average American who is, is hurting now, facing the prospect of $4 a gallon gasoline? A lot of people facing... Wait, what did you just say? You're predicting $4 a gallon gasoline? A number of analysts are predicting $4 a gallon gasoline this spring when they reformulate. Um, That's interesting. I, I hadn't heard that. Well, I support the president on so many things, but here he's not been filling up those uh, SUVs that he drives around. Somebody else has been taking those to the pump. And is he out of touch? And uh, are we going to see $4 gasoline? And here's really a, the question for you. you know, How will $4 gasoline affect your budget? Do you feel like our reliance on fossil fuels is really complicating the war on terror. 
And uh, do you think we're just whiners when it comes to the price of gasoline? I've got a price list I'm going to show you in a few minutes about other liquids you buy. And considering what gasoline costs, are we just whining and complaining? I'm going to open up the lines. Here's the number, 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. Pena, we've got a special guest coming on talk about this as well. Well, Dr. Johnson, President Bush may not feel the price of gas, but I'm feeling it. And this tourist in Orlando, Florida, was robbed at gunpoint today. The robber did so because he said he needed gas money. Now, we're not recommending that as a way to deal with this recent jump in gas prices, but we are all feeling the pain of this increase. We're going to analyze the prices at the pump with Bill Beach. He is with the Heritage Foundation. Also, it's uh, amazing, but who'd have thunk that Texas would end up being so important in this presidential primary? But tomorrow's primary could actually be pivotal in the presidential race. We're going to discuss it with Kelly Shackelford of the Free Market Foundation. And you know, uh, we're not just voting for president, so we're going to ask Kelly how to figure out who to vote for in some of the other races, and we'll tell you how you can vote twice, sort of. All right, folks, we're talking about gas prices. Here's the number, 800-881-9270. How do you react to the prospect of $4 gasoline? You know, we're in this war on terror. It seems like we're funding both sides because of our reliance on fossil fuels. And uh, would it be good for us to just not use so much of this oil? Also, people talking about global warming. Maybe it's good for these prices to go up. People won't be buying so much gas and uh, admitting so much CO2. Well, we want to know what you think. We've got Nancy on the line from Mansfield. Nancy, how does this gas price hike affect you? Well, I think it affects everyone and uh, the poor people. But, you know, people are paying $4 for Starbucks coffee. And when you compare that to a gallon of gasoline, you just kind of have to set your priorities. Hey, Nancy, let me interject here. They're playing $4 for a cup. If it mm-hmm. were per gallon, that would be $32 per gallon. What do you think about that? That's a little high. <laughs> don't think I'd be paying that. So Starbucks, definitely more expensive than oh, gasoline. Yeah. Definitely. Wow. How do you feel about the president seeming a little bit out of touch maybe on this gas price? Uh, definitely. You know, the oil companies are, are making billions of dollars, and I would just like to see more of that go back into the community to help the homeless and the hungry and things like that. I think, you know, I think the CEOs are sitting up there making all this money, and we have to pay it because we have to work, and they know that. Okay, Nancy, thank you so much for that contact. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, Hillary Clinton said something that uh, is a little bit uh, similar to what Nancy just mentioned, listen carefully about what Hillary would do with oil company profits. The other day, the oil companies reported the highest profits in the history of the world. I want to take those profits and I want to put them into a strategic energy fund. She wants to take those profits. Now, what would that do to gas prices? Would that drive them up or down? In fact, it would drive them up even higher. Uh, If you take away the profit margin, you're going to have people getting out of the gas and oil business, and gas prices are going to go even higher. She does not understand the free market. But it raises another question. What is the role of the federal government or the president when it comes to gas and oil prices? Can the federal government actually do much about gas and oil prices? The number, 800-881-9270. How do you feel about $4 gasoline? We've got Frank on the line from Little Elm. Frank, thank you for calling. What's your view? 
Well, thanks, Jerry. Uh, you know, my, my view is, if we look at this in economic terms, if you go back to the 70s, we were paying, you know, 70 cents a dollar, whatever. You know, if you look at the, if you look at the, the inflation in all the other products, gasoline's relatively cheap. I mean, I, don't, yeah. I, I have a long commute myself. $4 a gallon, you know, that's a lot of money. But, I mean, if you look at the cost of, of tuition at schools, that's gone up tenfold. If you look at, you know, a lot of the other things that we're paying a lot more money for, gasoline's not that bad of a deal. And I'm a, I'm a big free market person. I believe if we reach a point where gasoline is so prohibitively expensive, maybe some of these other alternative fuels will actually be competitive. You know, newspapers uh, are showing us now that people are actually doing something to cut uh, consumption. They have reached the point now where they think they need to. And I think Frank's right because, that you know, that's what a free market does. People behave yes. because of the pain that they're feeling. But, you know, it is concerning uh, this price of oil because it's it's very high right now in comparison to other times when it's been high. This is a time of year when uh, oil prices actually usually fall between peak winter and summer seasons. And so uh, right now the refineries prepare to shut down for their maintenance, and so uh, oil consumption will fall. But the prices instead are reaching these new records, and uh, it is uh, the crude futures price is one o two fifty nine a barrel. That is an all time high. So this is why people are concerned about it. And I was, you know, a little shocked when I filled up my car over the weekend. Okay. So it may affect my behavior. <laughs> okay, folks, four dollar. A gallon gas. How do you feel about it? Is there anything the federal government can do to change this? 800-881-9270 is the number. We've got Robert on the line. Robert, thank you for calling. What's your view? Oh, my goodness. Where, where do I begin? Um, you know, I think some of it has to do with just sticker shock. Uh, I drive by a particular gas station every day, and it seems like almost every day the price goes up. Uh, and it goes up more often than it goes down. And so... That's not really a good thing to see first thing in the morning is how your gas prices keep yeah. going up. And I keep thinking, you know, what if milk went up to six bucks in one year? Uh, how would we respond to that? The other thing that I... Hey, Robert, let me ask yeah. you a question, though. That is, milk is $4.50 a gallon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want you to think about where we get milk and how we process it versus where we get gasoline and what it takes to process it. Uh, do you think that gasoline is still a bargain compared to milk? No. And, you know, my reasoning may be uh, a little flawed, but this is how I look at it. If I consumed, oh, 30 gallons of milk a week, uh, yeah. then I would, I would look at it a little bit differently. Right, I do right. not consume 30 gallons of milk So a it's week. the amount of consumption. Yeah, I can see that, certainly, that... Gas, uh, you're using a lot more gas than milk. I guess my point is on that one is that milk is um, probably more expensive right now, still more expensive than gasoline. And um, Gatorade is $10 a gallon. Ocean Spray is $10 a gallon. Snapple, $10 a gallon. Evian Water, water, $21 per gallon to buy that water. And I'm going to make a contention here that may stir some of you up on this program today. That is that gasoline is still a great bargain, even at $4 a gallon. Now, it doesn't make it fun or even possible for many of us to do what we were doing before. But in fact, when you think of what it takes to get oil out of the ground, to pump it up, to take it in a truck, 
put it in a pipeline, take it at a refinery, put it back in a line or back in a truck, and then put it in a in a pump station somewhere and then tax it like the federal government does, that uh, it's a surprising that we have some of the cheapest gasoline in the world. You know, I think what's irritating, though, to a lot of Americans is is we don't have much control over the price of gas because we don't produce most of the gas that we use. Other countries do, and they uh, control that price. And in a sense, we've been prohibited by either the environmental movement, and mostly them uh, in this country, and some liberals in this country, from having control over that industry to the degree that uh, we should. Peter on the line. Peter, thank you for calling. What's your view? Thank you, Terry. I like what Ben is talking about. Are, are you there? Yes, you're on the air. I, I like uh, what Ben is saying, that the doctor is saying that uh, we are not, we have no control of the oil, but people, those people up there have control. And why, what has changed is that the price of oil is going up. It's because people don't like us. And uh, <laughs> that oil, when it goes up, it affects the farmer who is giving us uh, milk. Now the, the, the ladies, you go to a bundle of ladies, you buy from the store, you wish to be 56 cents. Now it's about 95 because they have to pay the gas and the, or the gas they have to buy to, to, to do the yard, I mean the farming. So well, gas is something... Gas is affecting us and uh, especially that we have to pay for it. Okay, Peter, we got to go, but uh, gas is something that we use for almost every task. I think that's an important point. Mm -hmm. We have William on the line from Waco. William, what do you think about $4 a gallon gas? I think it's a little ridiculous, to be honest with you. Uh, I drive about 150 miles a day, and, uh, you know, my work gets me going here and there all over Texas. But uh, I drive a diesel. And I'm looking at the gas prices right now at 358, 360 a gallon, and it's significantly higher than the premium uh, unleaded. Uh, and uh, you know, diesel is supposedly a byproduct of regular uh, regular fuel, but yet now the gas pump is showing it uh, what 30, 40 cents higher than uh, the premium. You know, we're talking almost 50 cents more than regular unleaded. Well, William, when we come back, thank you for that call. We will be speaking with an expert, Bill Beach. He's the director of the Center for Data Analysis at the Heritage Foundation. He can tell us about gas prices, oil prices, what to expect. And we're going to compare again other liquids with the price of gasoline. And I'm going to put out a challenge to everyone. I want to see if anyone can call in and name a liquid that we use, that we buy, that is cheaper than a gallon of gasoline. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedextra. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. 
Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. What's your advice to, uh, to the average American who is, is hurting now, facing the prospect of $4 a gallon gasoline, a lot of people facing... Wait, what did you say? You're predicting four dollar a gallon. A gasoline. number of analysts are predicting right. four dollar a gallon gasoline this spring when they reformulate. Um, That's interesting. I, I hadn't heard that. President Bush hadn't heard it. Uh, wasn't aware that uh, some analysts are actually predicting gas prices will go up to four dollars a gallon. With us to talk about gas prices is uh, William W. Beach. He is director of the Center for Data Analysis for the Heritage Foundation, and under his leadership, the Heritage Foundation has actually built this particular department to the point that it actually competes with the Congressional Budget Office and the Office of Management and Budget on getting good data. And, uh, Mr. Beach, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure entirely. Do you think President Bush is right to be unaware uh, of these uh, these particular predictions that gas prices are going up to $4 a gallon? Is that uh, stretching it a little bit? Well, I was surprised to hear him say that. Uh, it has been, of course, the, the increasing common wisdom here in town that as long as the U.S. dollar continues to be cheaper and cheaper and we buy our our, our oil internationally in dollars, that the price of oil is going to be going up. Uh, this has been happening, as you know, for the past couple of months, this really significant drop in the value of the dollar. Uh, and, and for those two months, we have seen significant increases, uh, rapid increases in the price of oil. And, of course, that translates after a few weeks into pump price increases that you and I have to pay. $4 is by no means out of question. I don't think that's a sustainable price. I think ultimately the dollar is going to stop its free fall. But just, you know, the worst case scenario, just at the time that it does, then we do the annual conversion over into those special blends of fuels that places like Houston and Dallas need to have because they're non-attainment areas from the Clean Air Act. So, so it's going to go up and stay up for a while, in your opinion? In my opinion, it will, ma'am. It's, it, it, uh, it's almost inevitable unless the dollar recovers tomorrow morning. Bill, it's great to have you on. This is Jerry Johnson. We've hey, got Jerry. a couple of callers on here, so let's take a couple of callers and get some interaction. John is on the line from Colleyville. John, what do you think about this $4-gallon gas, and do you have a question for Mr. Beach? Well, I guess I think that the uh, oil companies, you know, they're feeding a huge demand, and I think they do a pretty good job yes. when you consider that every corner of this country has gas. And and uh, I think we're pretty hard and naive when we think how how they're able to supply uh, this this tremendous demand. I mean, I think they do a pretty good job. I wish the rest of the government could do as well as they do. Hey, Bill, let me ask yeah. you this, because... Yeah. Uh, I think he's on to something there. Would you just describe what it takes for us to get that gas at the pump? It's quite a process, and and isn't our gas relatively cheap compared to many other Western countries? Well, it is. First, let me take that last point. It's, it is quite uh, quite cheap compared to 6 7 and $8 a gallon that you have to pay if you're a motorist in Europe. 
uh, at $4 a gallon, $3.11, which was the price here in Washington, D.C. that I paid just yesterday, uh, we're basically looking at a process which finally ends up in this re- relatively clear liquid. It starts with an Im- immense amount of refining. Uh, it goes back to the production side, and uh, we get a lot of our oil, of course, domestically, and, and the major supplier is from Canada. We get a lot of oil from Venezuela, which ought to concern us for, <laughs> for another reason. Maybe that's <laughs> another show. Uh, let, let me just take on what John said, and I think he made, he made a wonderful point. You know, Jerry, that today... We have more gasoline in storage. Our inventories are high. And, in fact, the the profit margins in the refining plants are so narrow now because we have such a large amount of supply that just recently a refinery in uh, California closed down, told its people it didn't have enough business. Wow. Uh, so from the standpoint of, of uh, oil stocks being there, of gasoline supplies being there, we are not in a shortage situation. A lot of your your listeners will think, well, price is high because gasoline is in short supply. No, compared to years past, we've got plenty of gasoline. We're, we're just all over it. The, the reason why we have high gasoline prices right now is mainly due to the fall in the value of the dollar because, as I said before, we pay for petroleum in dollars, and those dollars are worth less, and so we have to pay a lot more. And that fall in the dollars due for a lot of reasons that are go well beyond petroleum. Bill Beach is our guest. He's with the Heritage Foundation. And Bill, what about this presidential campaign? Because all the candidates are certainly going to uh, use this as uh, a political weapon, in a sense, against the Bush administration, aren't they? Well, of course they will. You know, uh, a lot of motorists, a lot of families, when they have to go and pay a high price for gasoline, have to have to buy it. The kids have to go to soccer practice, you know, husband and wife have to go to work. It's like a tax, and when the price goes way up, they really don't have much choice but to just absorb it, pay that high price, and go on. And then, they, of course, basically they complain to the politicians. What's wrong with our American economy and the people who are in charge? Uh, as we've been talking about this, is you know, that price is due for a lot of complicated reasons. But, boy, I tell you, this is a political issue that's just ripe mm-hmm. for, this, for this election campaign. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to William Beach of the Heritage Foundation about the potential for $4 a gallon gas. Here is Barack Obama responding to President Bush. When somebody tells him that you know gasoline prices might reach $4 a gallon and he says, that's interesting, I didn't know that, this is just today, then it's a sign that we have a Washington that is out of touch. All right, Bill, you're right. The politicians are going to use this. Let's go to another caller. We've got Fred on the line. Fred, you have a question for Mr. Beach or a comment? Yeah, uh, Mr. Beach here. Yes, I am. You know, I'm blind myself there, and I'm on a set income, and we only get 600 and something dollars every month. Yes. And, you know, how is a person going to make it in that kind of direction, especially when they don't have enough money to even do any kind of good? And another deal, you know, uh, we got so much oil out there right now, we don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Well, Fred, Fred, uh, you have raised a wonderful point. Uh, we we have to keep in mind that the people on fixed incomes, uh, people with disabilities, people in re- in retirement, yeah. uh, are the ones who have to bear so much of the burden of inflation and higher prices because, uh, you know, basically their income is not going to change, but the prices they pay are changing a lot. And that's what makes this such an important issue. 
we need to strengthen our dollar. We need to get our economy sound. We need to do the things that will make us more productive. Uh, and and right now, uh, we're we are challenged. Uh, this is a good time to have a political campaign. Let me tell you why. It's because we have a lot of policy issues that the public needs to to think about, and that politicians need to respond to. Business as usual is not acceptable anymore, especially when we have people like like Fred facing these very, very high prices with that little chance to change their income. So I, I, I just think this is a wonderful time to be talking about this. It's too bad we have to talk about it and live through it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this, uh, Bill, because a lot of people have said, look, we're funding both sides on the war on terror. And I know Newt and his American Solutions program, his book Real Change, says, you know, this needs to be a high priority to get off this dependence on fossil fuel. He's not in the global warming alarmist camp. I think he has a more balanced you know, approach and look at the environment. And But we do need to reduce our dependence upon fossil fuels eventually. Do you think these kinds of prices will motivate the market to do just that? Well, when we saw the price of gasoline move nationally above $3 a, a gallon, we saw a, a rapid decrease in the demand for fuel oils. Uh, be, before that time, I think people thought, well, it'll, it's going up, it's going up. I don't have to change my lifestyle. But when it got above and stayed above three, then we, we saw marginal families, families on fixed incomes or short, short incomes, begin to change what they, what they buy and consume. And that means the kids don't go to soccer practice. There's more mm. travel on the bus to work and so forth and so on. So now we're, we're seeing demand fall. And, and that's one of the reasons why we have so much gasoline in inventory, uh, is because the demand is falling. Uh, that's that's happening. I'm not too sure that's altogether a good thing because that means that the economy that so it, it depends on people doing what they do best and working where they work best is is that we're we're now sacrificing that because of the high prices. Uh, I'm I'm. Fine with high prices if incomes move up to pay for that for those mm-hmm. high high prices and over time economic productivity, a better stronger economy will accommodate the higher prices. But but right now it is hurting the economy at a time when the economy is already weak. Mm. That's Bill Beach, folks. Thank you, uh, Bill, uh, and we hope to have you back soon. He's yeah. from the Heritage Foundation, the director of the Center for Data Analysis. We'll talk to you again. Thank you very much. All right, folks, once again, here's Hillary Clinton on those oil company profits. The other day, the oil companies reported the highest profits in the history of the world. I want to take those profits, and I want to put them into a strategic energy fund. Okay, look, we are all concerned about these high prices, but you cannot take profits from companies and put them in any fund or you wreck our economy. How about the government? Uh, taking off some of these gas taxes. Uh, that would be one thing the federal government could do, is to reduce the uh, taxes on gasoline at the pump, which is a, a large percentage. Again, I want to remind you, put this in perspective. Are there any liquids that are cheaper than gasoline? We have one final caller. I'll go to Steve. Steve's still on. Steve, do you ha- do you know a liquid that's cheaper than gas? Uh, no, I know uh, liquid paper is about $3,000 a gallon, but that's not really the point, though. <laughs> no, it isn't. It still hurts when you go to, to use the pump, you know. I'm spending about $13 a day on gas. I was just talking to Pena about this, Steve. You know, we're driving a long way to go to and from work, and it costs a lot of money. Well, um, I beg to differ with your expert, but... Uh, 
about uh, us having stockpiles of uh, reserves everywhere. Um, the fact of the matter is that oil is a non-renewable resource, and the scientists say that there is a point called peak oil when uh, production will uh, fall under the amount of demand, and some experts believe we reached that point in 2006. Steve, we're, we're out of time. I'm sorry. I hope we can have you back another time to talk more about that. What I've read says we've got 40 years of proven oil reserves, not counting the oil sands in Canada. Elections coming up next. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Crystal College and Crystal Communications. You hear some politicians say things like, now it doesn't matter who you vote for as long as you go vote. Well, let me just make sure you understand. <laughs> it matters who you vote for. All right, that's Governor Mike Huckabee. He was in Dallas today at SMU. He was endorsed by the Dallas Morning News, and he is right. Even if you disagree with him on other things, he is right about this for sure. It is very important who you vote for, not just that you vote, but that you vote properly, that you vote right, that you vote for the best candidate. And I know most of you out there have good intentions, and you're saying, hey, tomorrow, isn't there a primary tomorrow in Texas? I really should get out and vote, but I feel guilty because I don't know who really to vote for, maybe in the presidential contest, but certainly when it comes to Congress or state races or local races, you have no clue, and sometimes you'd rather not go vote uninformed than uh, just not showing up at all. You'd, you'd just rather not go at all. And so we're going to give you the solution today. You need to vote. You need to vote informed. And you don't have to vote uninformed. In fact, you might be scratching your head right now about some of these races with no idea who the candidates really are. Our next guest has a tool that could help you. He is Kelly Shackelford, president of the Free Market Foundation. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Penna. Well, it's good to have you. And, of course, we heard Mike Huckabee talking today. Uh, he's right, though, that it's important that you get out and vote, isn't it? A- absolutely. Um, and, and as you all mentioned, one of the problems is that people know kind of about president, but, boy, when they get in there and they see all those other races like state representative and state Supreme Court justice and all this, they, they typically go, oh, wow, I don't know anything about these people and uh, it, it makes you kind of feel bad, especially as believers. You know, we want to represent Christ, um, and that's—I mean—that's our job. You know, in life, is to represent Christ in all areas of society, including in the voting booth. And one of the reasons, one of the main reasons, that's why we do the voters' guides, is really to empower believers, not by telling them who to vote for, but by asking all the candidates really, you know, the tough questions putting their answers out there so that uh, people are empowered when they go to those down-ballot races. Well, I got my voter guide in the mail, but how can people that uh, need it tonight or tomorrow get it? Um, They can just go to free market, it's just one word, uh, freemarket.org, and on the left side of the page there, they'll see primary voters guides. Uh, They can click on there, and uh, the neat thing is you can print that out and carry it right into the voting booth with you. So if you really didn't do your studying ahead of time, that's okay. You can literally carry that in with you and, and use it to help you uh, vote. I've, I've had a lot of candidates actually tell me that after the elections, 
um, they've gone by and they've seen literally stacks of our voter's guides that have been used with their name circled. Mm. Uh, so a lot of people will use it beforehand and circle names, but they can. You, it's neat. You can carry your own notes in. You can certainly carry our voter's guides in with you when you vote. All right, that's freemarket.org. Candidates, issues. Kelly, let me ask you, what are some of the big secondary races here in Texas? I think the sheriff's race here locally. Talk about that some. The um, we you know I I wish we could go down all the way to the very bottom you know the, all, there's 254 counties though and so it would be literally tens of thousands so we can't go that far but we <laughs> go we, we you know I'll t- let's take a big one Jerry is uh, we get to vote on our Supreme Court justices and our Court of Criminal Appeals I mean those are the highest courts I mean right. other states like are jealous and the average person has no idea of the differences between these justices, and we ask them questions that people can understand, and they do understand a difference. Uh, there's those kind of races. There's also the state representatives. Um, we all have state representatives in the House and state senators, and they're up. And, again, typically people don't even know who those folks are, uh, but those are, you know, that's our Congress in Texas down in Austin that are going to pass a lot of the laws that affect us, including, you know, raising our taxes or whether we pass uh, like one that's going to be up next session, the sonogram bill, which would require every woman to be offered a sonogram before an abortion occurs. Mm, That's good. Uh, I mean, these are powerful things that happen that these local officials a lot of times make decisions that will affect these issues much more than something in D.C. And so all of these down-ballot races, it's it's really important that people see the difference and vote their values. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Kelly Shackelford. He's president of the Free Market Foundation. Tomorrow is the big day. The primary elections in Texas tomorrow. Who will it be? McCain or Huckabee for president on the Republican side? Who will it be? Obama. Or Hillary Clinton on the Democrat side. What about Ron Paul? Don't forget him. <laughs> and uh, let's listen now to Mike Huckabee on why he will not quit. The pathway for me to win is a complicated pathway, I acknowledge. The pathway to lose is very simple. All I got to do is quit. Well, it's going to be exciting to see how Huckabee does tomorrow. And I want to remind you, Tom DeLay will be our guest tomorrow. Also, we'll have live election return coverage tomorrow evening all the way up until 9 o'clock. I'll be a part of that team. But, Kelly, let me ask you this. Uh, Just tell us what you predict uh, with uh, Huckabee and McCain. And uh, what do you think about Huckabee staying in this race? Well, I I totally agree with him staying in the race. I mean, competition is good. Uh, I don't know where this new idea is that people should quit before Texans even get a chance to vote. Yeah. Uh, I find the the governor's you know statements really odd. I mean, he he endorsed one candidate, and now he's endorsed another, so he's kind of gotten two votes already, and no Texans gotten to vote at all. It's like, why don't you let the Texans vote? Let them express themselves, and that's what I I, I think it's great uh, to have debates, to have uh, a choice. And I, you know, I, I just, the thing that has concerned me about this election is at least the media approach on the, on the Republican side has almost been to discourage people from voting their values. And it, it's been kind of like, well, you know, for instance, uh, we think, you know, this candidate's going to win, and so uh, we're just not even going to pay attention to this election and almost encourage people, oh, don't, you know, that one's kind of over, don't even worry about that one. I think that's a travesty, and I think it hurts uh, everybody when you do that, because I, I think it's key for people to go out and vote for that 
representative, that person running, that most represents their principles and their values. Because what happens when you do that is those values get elevated. No matter what happens with that candidate, those values get elevated, and it makes a long-term difference all the way down ballot on all the races. Well, speaking of elevating your own values, there is a way that Texas voters can vote twice. Uh, if you go to, for instance, the Republican primary, you can stay or come back at 7, and you can have a huge impact, can't you, Kelly? It, it's it's something that most, you know, uh, I guarantee you, most of your listeners probably don't even know about, and it's so easy. Uh, I mean, it, what it, all you do is wherever your voting location would be tomorrow. So even if you are early voted, uh, it's wherever you normally would vote on, on the actual election day. You just go back at 7 o'clock when the polls close, and they have what's called a, a precinct convention or a caucus. And y- you actually get to be involved in your own party. And, it, and it's surprising to a lot of people. They think it's some smoke-filled room somewhere, you know, with all these powerful people. The reality is you get to make those decisions. You vote on your own platform. And and most of the time, Penn and Jerry, if you go, you're usually going to be a delegate to the next level of your own party. And so just by showing up, which is a lot of people tell you 90% of politics is showing up, if you care enough to show up at 7 o'clock, your values will probably win out, and you'll probably be going to the next level representing those values and, and helping form your platform and, and even who your delegates are going to be. Our guest, Kelly Shackelford, president of Free Market Foundation. Again, this voter's guide, the Texas voter's guide, you can find it. Go to freemarket.org. Kelly, thank you for being with us. Hey, thank you all. All right, folks, it's come down to this. Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama really fighting over experience versus wisdom. Here's Hillary Clinton ask uh, about experience. I have a lifetime of experience that I will bring to the White House. Uh, I know Senator McCain has a lifetime of experience that he will bring to the White House. And Senator Obama has a speech he gave in 2002. Okay, so that's Hillary saying, I'm more experienced. But Obama saying, on the most important issue, you botched it. When it came to making the most important foreign policy decision of our generation, the decision to invade Iraq, Senator Clinton got it wrong. Okay, so Obama saying on national security, Senator Clinton got it wrong. But wait a minute. Wait until you hear this soundbite. We have found a Barack Obama soundbite on his security policy, on his vision for national security. You're not going to believe this. Now I want you to listen very carefully. All of you, yes we can, people out there. All of you Obama people, listen carefully now to what Barack Obama is promising. I'm the only major candidate who opposed this war from the beginning. And as president, I will end it. Second, I will cut tens of billions of dollars in wasteful spending. I will cut investments in unproven missile defense systems. I will not weaponize space. I will slow our development of future combat systems. And I will institute an independent defense priorities board to ensure that the quadrennial defense review is not used to justify unnecessary spending. Third, I will set a goal of a world without nuclear weapons. To seek that goal, I will not develop new nuclear weapons. I will seek a global ban on the production of fissile material, and I will negotiate with Russia to take our ICBMs off hair trigger alert. 
and to achieve deep cuts in our nuclear arsenals. All right, all of these promises in the face of a breaking news story today, the Pentagon voices concern over China's military power. All kinds of missile issues in this major story today. But Barack Obama says, I'm going to defund missile defense. I'm going to disallow any weaponization of space, and I'm going to take our nuclear missiles off of high alert. That essentially means that any strategic opponent could shoot a missile at the United States. They could know we would have no way to stop it on land or in space, and they would know that we could not shoot back. Is this the man you want to protect this country from the evildoers. Can he do it? We'll talk about it when we come back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. My message is for him to stop exporting terror and that the international community is serious about uh, continuing to isolate Iran until they come clean about their nuclear weapons ambitions. Pena, that is President Bush speaking about Ahmadinejad, the president of Iran, and his weapons ambitions. And, of course, this is the man. Obama says, I will sit down with this man without any preconditions. And, of course, Obama's saying, I'll take out the space-based anti-ballistic systems. I'll take out the land-based anti-ballistic systems. And I will remove our nuclear weapons from quick response. Um, What do you think of all that? Well, I find it fascinating and naive. Uh, Last week, I think it was, or the week before, we actually shot down a satellite and we hit it actually in the fuel tank where we wanted to hit it with our Aegis-based, sea-based missile defense system. It was not meant to be a test, but it actually was a very good test of our system. We've got nuclear uh, proliferation. Pakistan has nukes. Iran could have nukes. North Korea has nukes. Of course, uh, Russia has nukes. China has nukes. So Obama wants to disarm us and get rid of uh, our anti-ballistic missile defense system. This is one of the best things that the Bush administration did was to get us out of that ABM treaty and to get us into uh, perfecting that system. So it's absolutely uh, absolutely naive. And uh, people that are voting for Obama because they want to get out of the war in a Iraq are, they don't really know what they're bargaining for here. Mm. Let not the A-bomb be the final sequel in which all men are cremated equal. Now that sounds uh, persuasive. Nobody likes nuclear weapons. Everybody's afraid of that. But it is totally unrealistic for Obama to say, I'm going to end this. I'm going to end this. 
whenever all the bad guys have them. You just can't go around saying that. Well, there's another issue that I think is more directly connected to the Christian worldview in this show. Barack Obama speaking at Hawking College in Ohio on Sunday, again, doing a lot of church work, uh, speaking in churches on Sunday, saying that the Sermon on the Mount justifies his support for legal same-sex homosexual unions. Uh, I will tell you that I don't believe in gay marriage, um, uh, but I do think that uh, people who are gay and lesbian should be treated with dignity and respect and that the state should not discriminate against them. So uh, a, I believe in civil unions that allow a uh, same-sex couple to visit each other in a hospital or uh, transfer property to each other. Uh, I don't think it, uh, it should be called marriage, but I think that it is a legal right that they should have that is recognized by the state. If people find that controversial, uh, then I would just refer them to the Sermon on the Mount, um, which I think you know is, for, in my mind, for my faith, uh, more central than uh, an obscure passage in Romans. Okay, he says for his faith, the Sermon on the Mount is more central than the book of Romans. Uh, Barack Obama has said this before. I want you to hear this again on so-called gay marriage. There are some folks who, coming out of the church, uh, have you know, elevated one line in Romans uh, above the Sermon in the Mount. Okay, that's a classic technique of liberalism, uh, a tactic, argument, a method that you pit Jesus against the Old Testament, or Jesus against Paul. And of course, Jesus trumps the Old Testament. Jesus is more authoritative than Paul. The only problem with that is this. Jesus said the Scriptures cannot be broken. Jesus talked about what Moses said, and he equated that with the Word of God. And uh, Jesus also promised the disciples um, in John that uh, the Holy Spirit would bring to their remembrance all of the things that he had taught. And that's one of the reasons we know the New Testament is inspired Holy Scripture. And you cannot pit Jesus against Paul or Jesus against Moses, but Obama trying to do that. In fact, there's nothing about homosexuality in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, you see a reaffirmation of the Mosaic Code at every point in the Sermon on the Mount. And by the way, for Paul, uh, he said at one point an obscure passage in Romans. At another point, Obama says uh, one verse in, in Romans. No, in fact, you have an entire argument beginning in Romans one eighteen, concluding in Romans one thirty two. The last time I checked, that's of uh, what, 14 verses? It's not obscure. Uh, two or three paragraphs. And uh, I think it's important, Penna, to go over that with our listeners for just a moment. And here's Paul's argument. It's two or threefold. It's not just some new announcement that this is an abomination. Paul goes all the way back to creation. Paul in Romans goes back thousands of years to Genesis chapter 1, and he says this is a rejection of the created order, the created order of male and female. And because it's a rejected order, a rejection of the created order, it is in fact a rejection of the Creator. And he says, those who do not like to retain God, 
reject this creator and the created order, and they exchange the natural sexual expression for that which is unnatural. Romans one twenty six. He goes on to say the men leave the natural sexual expression with females and are inflamed in their lust for another. Males committing shameless acts with males. Romans one twenty seven. This is not one verse. This is a long sustained argument. Paul uses other words in Romans one. Let me list some of them: uncleanness, dishonor vile passions, error, debased mind, and not fitting. All of these to describe homosexuality. When you hear Obama, you get the idea this is just some aside comment that Paul made because he's homophobic. No, in fact, Paul develops an, a lengthy theological argument uh, on homosexuality. And I am glad, and I'll remind our listeners, that Paul says over in 1 Corinthians, don't forget this, such were some of you. But you have been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So Paul is redemptive, redemptive. And that's where Obama should be talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ offers change. He offers a different kind of life. He offers a liberation from the bondage of that lifestyle. And as a Christian, Obama ought to be saying, look, uh, there are all different kinds of sins and sinners And it's not my point to justify one class of sin or sinners, but to say that we're all sinners in need of mercy and grace and forgiveness. That includes homosexuals. They need to be changed. They need to be forgiven. Such were some of you, but we're looking for change. Change. You can be changed because Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and he rose again, offering forgiveness, offering change, and a life that has meaning and purpose in his kingdom right now, entering the kingdom of God. Well, tomorrow, don't forget that election coverage. Also, Wednesday, Ariel Cohen on Russia's new president. Also, lead Whitewater investigator, David Bossy. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.